0: this is chandler jones and thank you so much for joining us for this week's podcast the heart of this podcast is to provide you with inspired preaching and teaching from god's word that will help you boldly live for jesus if you haven't already i would love for you to subscribe today to this podcast so you won't miss the latest messages let's go right into the service Recorded at Compassion Church Radford. I believe it will be a blessing to you today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Our God is an all consuming fire. And I feel in my heart that some of you need to get your fire back. A lot of times we think revival is about lost people, and no, revival is for the church. Revival is when, like David said, revive us again. And God, I pray right now that the fire of God would burn our hearts again. Being near to you, Lord, it was when. two men had a conversation with Jesus and they said, did not our hearts burn within us? When he opened the scripture, it was Jeremiah that said, your word is like a fire shut up in my bones. God, today we, we ask, Lord, that you would fan the flame. And I pray, God, that we would burn for you Bible speaks about virgins, foolish virgins, and wise virgins in the last day. God, I want to be—I <laughs> want to be burning for you, full of oil, full of your presence, full of your fire. I know what it's like to just have a flicker of a flame, and Lord, I just pray, God, that you would set me ablaze, set our church ablaze, set. Men and women of God ablaze, set our young people ablaze. We need to burn for you. I pray that you would send the fire in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We ask for it, Lord. Would you not revive us again according to your word, O God, your breath of heaven. Jesus we we ask for that we ask for that and Lord we're even we're even ready to say everything that's in me that does not need to be there would you burn that out of my life get it out of there consume me from the inside out Yahweh hallelujah let's sing again let's sing again lift your voice hallelujah your heart, with your heart, in the name of Jesus people would leave different and leave changed, and leave transformed by the power of the Spirit of God we didn't come to have a little church we came to get in the presence of God we need to be in the presence and the fire of God the power of God Lord would you fill us today in Jesus name we ask God for you to fill us to be poured out, to be used of you. In Jesus' name, oh God, give the Lord a great hand clap. If you've been in his presence, oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. You say, well, what are y'all doing up there? Why aren't we getting on with the service? This is the part of the service. This is the part where we worship God and we just say, Lord, have your way. Have your way. I don't need another service. I need a touch from God. Hallelujah. Are you hungry today for a touch from God? Jesus said, if you're not hungry, you won't be filled. God, I pray that this would build an appetite, Lord, to be filled with your presence and your spirit. Jesus, we we love you. We worship you. Don't take this moment for granted. Don't take it for granted. I have been in enough church services to know that I was not, I didn't feel the presence of God. So when I'm in his presence, fullness of joy where the Lord is the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is there's liberty and oh just to get in his presence for a little while just to entertain his presence that's when lives are changed that's when chains are broken that's when God takes your hard heart and he softens it right now We need the Spirit of God to work in our hearts and our minds. The devil is active. The devil is working. But I've come to say today that no weapon formed against the church will prosper or prevail. In the name of Jesus, I believe that with all of my heart. I believe that we're about to see God do some things in our church that we've never seen before. I believe that the Spirit is going to be poured out in measures that we've not seen before. And I believe the same church services that you used to come to and nothing would happen, there's going to be a shift, there's going to be a change, and you're going to leave out different, and strongholds are going to be broken, and things that are going on in your family, they're going to change in Jesus' name because you've been in the presence of God. I wish you believe what I'm saying today, that our God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Thank you, God. We worship you. We praise you, God. You get all the glory. You get all the honor. And I just want to say right now that it's about you, Jesus. It's not about me. It's not about this worship team. It's not about compassion. It's about you, Lord. We lift you up, God, into this house today. We say it's all about you, Lord. We ask you to forgive us, God, when we've made it about us. It's about you, Jesus, and I'm desperate for you. Thank, you. Thank you, Lord. If you feel his presence today, give him a hand clap of praise. We worship you, Lord. We worship you. We worship you. We worship you. We worship you. Oh, God. Just to be in your presence is the greatest privilege of my life. Thank you, Lord, for showing up today. Praise God. You can be seated. Give the Lord one more hand. A praise. Give it up for our worship team. Powerful music. Powerful. Ben was singing and that was beautiful. They need to put a mic in front of your guitar. Didn't he sing so good? That was awesome. That was great. That was great. If you're joining us online, thank you for joining. Give it up for our online and our online people that watch the services. They're blessed by these services. God moves. You know, I I can tell you this. Um, I've been watching revivals online for this past couple weeks, and we've been 7 o'clock at night, been cutting them on in our, our living room. And I'll tell you this right now. Don't tell me God can't use online. Don't tell me God can't speak to people through a television. That you can't feel the presence and power of God through a television. And so if you are joining online, we just thank you, and we pray God ministers to you in this service. Uh, before I begin, really quickly... Megan and I want to say from the bottom of our heart, thank you for all the Pastor Appreciation gifts and cards and gift cards, and I'm going to need to buy some bigger clothes because we've got so many food gift cards, amen? Some stretchy pants. Praise God for black stretchy pants, amen? Come on now, laugh a little bit. There's joy in the house of the Lord. For the last two weeks, I've been preaching on the rapture, the subject of the rapture. And I pray that when you hear about the rapture, you don't get scared. Man, you get excited. You think about when Jesus could come back. And, that is, and I pray when you hear about the rapture that the Holy Spirit would release his hope and his joy and his comfort. But I also pray that when you hear these messages on the rapture, this is what it would cause you to do. It would cause you to prepare your heart for the coming of the Lord. Amos, the the prophet said, "Prepare to meet God." Oh man, we got to be prepared to meet God at any moment. He could come back. Jesus said, "Be ready. Be ready at all times for the Son of Man comes at an hour you do not expect." Be ready. Let it. Don't listen to mo, another sermon. Prepare your heart for the coming of the Lord. We should. I was. Uh, it was funny. I was had lunch with somebody earlier this week. They just got engaged and he said, the rapture messages, I've enjoyed them, but he said, you know, I'm, I, a part of me, if I'm honest, I'm just so young, and I'm engaged, and I want to be married, and um, I, I want to build a family, and I want to do all that, and, he, and, and I had to laugh because I can remember 10 years ago thinking, you know what, the same thing. I was like, I want to graduate college, and I want to get married and have children, and you know, it's funny how you do all that, and then you say, even, lo, even so, Lord Jesus, come, Amen. Y'all didn't even catch what I just said. After you get married, get married, have a couple kids. You say, I can't wait for the rapture of Jesus Christ coming back. Come on now. You say, everything's going to be perfect in heaven. No tears, no sorrow, no, none of that. My beautiful wife is watching right now, and um, praise the Lord for her. She's got to live with me. But what I was telling the young man is we should prepare to live for 100 years, but we should live as though Jesus could come back at any moment. We're not just to sit around and just look at the watch and say, oh, my goodness, is it today we should plan and prepare, but we should always live. What I mean live by that your heart is ready at any time. Your character should not change because Jesus could come back. You should be changed anyway because that's what God expects of you. Amen? To be prepared to meet God. Um, Many believe and laugh at the thought of the rapture. Some people think the rapture will never happen because it's never happened before. But here's the truth. The rapture has happened before. It's for two people in the Bible. We know about Elisha. The Bible says in 2 Kings 2.11, think about this. Elisha and Elijah were together. They're having a conversation, just talking. And the Bible says a chariot of fire, horses of fire, take Elijah up. Into a world, having a conversation. I don't know that we ever think about that, but that's what will happen. Some will be taken and some will be left. You'll just be living life, and if we live to see the rapture happen, you're gonna go up quickly. And it, he went up by a whirlwind into heaven. One minute, Elisha and Elijah are having a conversation, and next minute, he was gone. He was here and he's gone. I don't know that we think about that enough, and I want to read this to you. Think about when that moment happens in a moment in the twinkling of an eye, bodies will disappear from their coffins at funeral homes all over the world. Patients that sit in hospital beds, they'll vanish from the hospital beds. Babies will vanish from their cribs children will vanish out of the classrooms. And I remember taking some tests thinking, you know, my mom, my mom used to scare us with the thought of the rapture. She used to make us watch left behind videos. And so we'd be in, we'd be in the classroom. This is true story. And I would be like, I don't want to blink. Because we knew in a moment, a twinkle of an eye to blink, we could go up. And I'm thinking, man, if I blink, maybe Jesus will come back then. That's all right. We know y'all haven't watched Left Behind videos, and that's what's wrong with you today. You watch some Left Behind videos, and you say, Jesus, I want to get to the altar. (laughs) Imagine driving down the highway, and the driver that is saved gets caught up into heaven. Imagine the plane, the pilots. One preacher said, don't ride on a plane with a Christian pilot, because if the rapture comes back, he's going up and you're going down. You think about nuclear submarines missing their commanders, nations missing their leaders, parents missing their children, and I can tell you right now, that will be one of the saddest things about the rapture, is that God would take children and parents would be left behind. In various parts of the world, church services will be going on when the rapture happens. And what I love is this, the real church is going to go up. God's people is going to go up. Satan's people is going to be left. The sheep are going up. The goats are staying down. Amen? All the nasty people are going to be left behind for, for the tribula- great tribulation. You say, that was rude soldiers will be missing in action emergency responders will find their numbers depleted think about this man i shouted when i thought about this there'll be people in prison that those prison gates can't hold them captive anymore they'll go up to be with the lord and you know the thing about it is there are people in prison that are more free than people in church they're in the pres- they got the lord with them they're going to be ready for that rapture it's going to be amazing. You think about the news, the news reporters, that's, it's, the news is going to spread like fire. CNN, NBC, Woe Is Me, all those different <laughs> news broadcasters, they're going to say, what happened to all the people? What happened? But the Christian press will be strangely silent. There'll be no believers to report the news. People will be frantically searching for their loved ones. Phone calls will go to voicemails. Text messages will be unanswered. In today's world, you think about how one missing person can grip an entire nation. One person. What's going to happen when thousands of millions get caught up to be with the Lord forever in the air? What will they say? What lie will they come up with? but you know what? We ain't going to be here for it if we know the Lord. I don't have to worry about it. The Bible speaks of another man other than Elijah that was suddenly taken from earth to heaven. Go to Genesis chapter 5. This is a beautiful scripture. Genesis 5 and 21 talks about Enoch. Enoch, the Bible says, he lived 65 years. He begot Methuselah. Methuselah. I don't know that I've ever, has anybody in here today ever heard somebody name their child Methuselah? let's not do that one. After he begot Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years, had sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years. And here it is, verse 24. And Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. What's interesting in that passage, if you slow down and read it, the Bible says Enoch lived 65 years, began to have children, didn't say anything about him serving the Lord, didn't say anything about him walking with God, and he had Methuselah, must have been a problem child, and he thought, you know what, dear God, I gotta get saved after having this child, amen? How many of you know children can be a test from the Lord? It's a good test too. No, you got perfect kids. You, don't, you, you put your head down. But some of you are saying, glory, my child made me close to the Lord. Enoch looked down at that little baby, and I believe this. He recognized, I'm preaching serious right now. He recognized his responsibility as a dad to lead that child right, and he started walking with God. Amen. If a child cannot uh, persuade you to live for God, nothing will nothing will. The presence of a baby won't change your home, nothing else will. How many of you started serving the Lord after you had children by a show of hands? Praise God. We got some Enoch's in the house this morning. There's a crisis in America right now. It's called the fatherless generation. According to the U.S. Census Bureau, 19.7 million children, more than one in four live in a home without a dad. Consequently, there is a father factor in nearly all the social ills facing America today. A child without their father, here it is, this is real, there are four times greater the risk of poverty. They're more likely to have behavioral problems. Two times greater risk of infant mortality. More likely to go to prison. More likely to commit pr- crimes. Seven times more likely to become pregnant as a teenager. More likely more likely to face abuse and neglect. More likely to abuse alcohol alcohol and drugs, two times more likely to suffer suffer obesity, two times more likely to drop out of high school. And there's also an absence of a father in the church. When a mother comes to Christ, her family will only join her at church 17% of the time. But when a father gets right, starts walking with God, 93% of the time it'll happen. And so let me say for a moment right now, if you're a man of God and you got your family in church today, we clap for you. You need to clap for every man of God that is leading their family faithfully to the house of God. But I'm not done yet. If you are a mom and dad is not in the picture, you don't have a spiritual man of the house and you have had to be the spiritual head. We need to erupt this place right now in praise for every single mom that is serving God with her family in the house. Praise God. We bless the Lord for you. We thank God for you. And one of the greatest things you can do, if you're a single mom and dad's not in the picture and you got kids and you don't know what you need to do, let me tell you what you need to do. I'm living proof of this. I did not have my physical father in my life, but I'm thankful that I had a mom that introduced me to the heavenly father. And when my physical father wasn't there for me, my heavenly father was. And if you're a mom here today, you just keep preaching Jesus. You just keep living Jesus. You keep bringing your kids to the house of God. And when When you train up a child, come on now, when you train up a child in the way that they should go, when they get older, they will not depart from it. I believe what I'm preaching today. I want to encourage you today. It says Enoch walked with God. This was not a physical walk, but a spiritual walk to walk with God is to be led of him. Right now, it drives me crazy to think that we this is how we do in our relationship with God. God is just a tag along. I just live and do what I want to do, and I just bring Jesus with me. The Bible says this, that Enoch walked with God. It doesn't say that God walked with Enoch says that Enoch walked with God. To walk with God is to be close to God, to be in fellowship with him. It's to be led of him. Jesus told every single one in the beginning, he said, what did he say? Follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. To walk with God is wherever he leads you, I will follow. It's just to be obedient to what he says. Doesn't say that Enoch, that God walked with Enoch that God led him around. We see that with David too. And here's a, here's a point right now. Some of you are, are try, you, you're not walking with God. You're trying to have God walk with you and you can't understand why you don't have any peace in your life. Here's the thing, what David said in Psalm 23, he leadeth me beside still waters. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. And you can be saved, but if you're leading your life around and God is just a tag along, just a buddy, just someone that you throw in the back of your trunk, you let him out. When church starts, you walk out in the parking lot, open the truck, put him back in, and do your life. You will not have peace in your life. The peace in your life comes when you walk with God. He leadeth me beside still waters. The Bible says Enoch walked with God and was not. Doesn't say that he died, it says God took him. Having a conversation, and God, no, sorry, with Elijah and Elisha, God took him. It lines up with First Thessalonians 4. The dead in Christ will rise first. Then we are who are alive and remain shall be caught up. The moment of the rapture, some, excuse me, will not see death. They will just be living life and God will take them. I had a scary moment right before service. I was talking to a dear brother in the back, and I was talking to him, Roger, and I didn't see Peanut. I didn't see James Ratcliffe back there, and this is what I thought Oh Lord, the rapture doesn't happen, and I got left behind. Because when the church doors are open, he's here. He is a faithful man of God, and I know if anybody is going to get to heaven, it's going to be him. I got scared for a minute, and I looked back, and he was there, and I said, Phew. I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be okay. The Bible doesn't say a lot about Enoch's life, but we know Enoch was significant because he's mentioned in the New Testament. And guess where he's mentioned? He's mentioned in Hebrews 11. Do you know what Hebrews 11 is? Hebrews 11 is the hall of faith. It's where the heroes of faith are. If you're a professional football player and you're a great football player, one day you'll end up in Canton, Ohio. Similar situation. Great men and women of God that lived for the Lord did extraordinary things. They made it into the Hall of Faith. You need to read that in Hebrews 11. Here it says in Hebrews 11 and 5, by faith Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God took him, here it is, for before he was Taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Say that with me. He pleased God. Before he was taken, he stayed ready. He walked with God. And he had this testimony that he was a man of faith. What does the Bible say? Without faith, it is impossible to please God. For whoever believes that he is will come to him that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. But here's the thing. Let me teach for a minute. Faith is more than intellectual belief. Faith is more than knowing about Jesus. Jesus had a problem with know-it-alls in his ministry. Who were they called? Pharisees and Sadducees. They knew everything about God, but they didn't know God. And the Bible said Jesus would rebuke them and he would say, you cleanse the outside of the cup and dish, but inside you're nasty. You're full of dead man's bones. There's greed and evil and immorality and witness and anger in your heart. And right now, we, we see this right now. There's this great divide. We have many, 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 many people that say, I know about God. And there are few people that know God. This is how you know if you really know God. God. You have a testimony of life that pleases the Lord. That's how you know. I've heard people say this before. They have say, I just don't know that I'm saved. And I will not discredit that because Satan is the accuser of the brethren. And you can have a moment of faith, and Satan will say, That was emotionalism. You didn't get it. That's not God. You're gonna, you're the same person. Any Satan never done that to any of you, or is that just me? He's the accuser of the brethren. He will, he's the author of confusion, he will do that. But let me tell you something. When you get born from above, it is not a hope so, it is not a think-so, it is not, well, maybe so. Paul said it like this, I know in whom I have believed, and I know that he's able to keep that which I've committed to him until that day. What's it talking about right there? It's talking about the faith that I know that God has kept that which I've committed unto him. My trust, my faith, everything that I've placed in Jesus until that day, God will keep me in his hands. I know in whom I have believed. Let me say this right now. If you don't know Jesus, you are missing out. Paul said, everything that I thought was gained to me, I count as loss for the sake of knowing Christ. And when you know Jesus, it ain't just some superficial, just mouth uh, profession. When he lives in your heart, I can face tomorrow. When everything that's going on in our world, you know what will keep you till the end? Your faith will. We will endure because of our faith. The people that really have faith will endure to the end. I know in whom I have believed. Enoch's faith was more than intellectual faith or belief. It was faith that produced a public outward testimony people could see. If you look at that word testimony in the Greek, it's a lawyer term. It's where you would be in court and people could testify. Who's been in court today? Raise your hand up. Somebody said, I don't want to do that. So they went like that. <laughs> Aren't you thankful for the blood of Jesus? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> but that word testimony, it's to give testimony against You have a wit- There's a witness there. His testimony was that people, there was an out- outward testimony. Pu- it was public. His faith was public. Enoch's testimony though was not a testimony of performing miracles. It was not a miracle ministry. It was not an Elijah or an Elisha. It wasn't signs, miracles, and wonders. He didn't have a testimony of being a great preacher like Noah. He didn't have that. He didn't have the testimony of Daniel. You remember what happened to Daniel? There was a decree that went around and said, if you pray to any other God during this decree, we will throw you in a den of lions. And guess what Daniel did? He went home. I love this. You need to read your Bible. He went home, windows open, got down three times that day, and he prayed. And guess what he did? He didn't do that because the decree went out. He just did that because that's what he always did. He didn't have a testimony of Daniel where he's in the lion's den and God shut the mouth of the lion. Didn't have a testimony of David. What was David's testimony? He was a young shepherd boy. He he killed a lion and a bear. God had prepared him for that. He takes his brothers some food. King Saul's not doing anything. The brothers are afraid. And then just so happens, he's out there in the battle and here keeps coming Goliath, coming, presenting himself every day and every day. And David says, something's wrong here. He said, is there not a cause? What's going on? And the Bible says, he said, I can fight against this uncircumcised Philistine giant. The Bible says God led him out to a riverbank, the, the fort of Jabok. He got five smooth stones and he grabbed all of them. The Bible says he came up for Goliath and he says, you come at me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come at you at the name of the Lord of hosts. And the spirit of God got behind that slingshot. He slung that thing, hit him between the eyes, knocked him down. down. And let me preach for a minute. The Spirit of God can come on you to defeat your enemy, defeat your giant. But you know what most people settle with? They just settle with knocking him down. Let me tell you something. When you knock him down, you take the sword of the Spirit and you cut his head off to never come back again. Come on now. I believe that today. There is power. Hallelujah, there is power when the Spirit of God comes on you. But he doesn't have a testimony like David. He doesn't have a testimony like Moses. Lord, I love Moses. Moses killed a man. He killed a man. <laughs> Read this. He looks out, sees a, uh, he sees a Hebrew, or sorry, he sees a Israel, uh, an Egyptian, sorry, I'll get it right, killing an Israelite. And he looks both ways, and he goes and kills the man, and he digs him and puts him in the ground. Y'all, Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Is anybody looking, and you go and do something. But this is what happened. After he killed the man, he goes to Midian, flees to Midian. He's there for 40 days. It's a time of preparation, a time of testing. And God comes to Moses in a burning bush. And this is what he says. You tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And he comes back and and he says, well, I I can't speak. I'm a a stutterer. I can't do this. And God says, did I not make your mouth? (laughs) Did I not make your mouth? And then he said this, what do you have in your hand? And he has that rod, and he would put that rod, he threw it down, and it became a snake one time. And he, he took the rod, and he took it over the river, and it turned into blood. And he would do God was in that rod. You know what? God can use what you have. You may not have much, but God can use what you have. And I love it. The Bible says, after the death angel killed the firstborn of the Egyptians, Pharaoh let His people go, and and Moses took that rod, and he held it over the Red Sea, and it parted. Can you imagine that for a minute? The waters go up on sides, and there's a highway of dry ground, and they walk across that. Hear me, though. Enoch did not have that type of testimony. But he still made it into the hall of faith. I'm going to show you how he did it. The Bible says that Enoch pleased God. You might not ever do what anybody else does. You might not be a preacher. You might not be a great singer. You might not do big, huge, amazing, huge results, effective things. You may never do any of that. But guess what? If you live a life where you walk with God and you please him, guess what? You're going to hear the same words everybody else heard. And you know what it is? Well done, my good and faithful servant. You don't worry about what anybody else is doing. You worry about what you're doing, and you worry about walking with God and pleasing him, and God says, I'll do the rest. Enoch steadily and faithfully walked with God, and then one day he was simply gone. God took him. When it says that he walked with God, the Lord began to speak to me, and I, I want to I reveal this, and you may not like it, but I'm going to be obedient to the Lord. Many people can walk with God for a season. Many people can walk with God for a season if it's a good season and it's exciting and you think, well, wow, I'm gonna they told me to come to church and you walk with God for a season. You know, other people can walk not walk with God for just a season, they walk with God for a reason. They say, I need that job. I need that husband. Come on. I need that wife, Lord. I'm tired of being alone. I need that promotion. Lord, I need you to heal my body. I need a breakthrough. And so there's a lot of people that will follow God for a season and there's other people that will only follow God for a reason. But here's the thing, a true man or woman of God won't walk with God for a season and won't only walk with God for a reason. They will walk with him for life. They will walk with him even when it's hard, even when all of hell is coming against your house, Even when nothing that you put your hand to seems like it's turning out good, you just walk with God because you love God. It's not for a reason. It's not for a season. There's an I won't stop. I won't quit in your life. I will walk with God until the end. When it says Enoch's testimony pleased God, this is what that meant. Enoch's life pleased God. His life pleased God. You know what our top priority ought to be right now? Pleasing God. I just want to please God. Whatever I do, if I'm at work, I want to please God. If I'm at home, I want to please God. When my wife and I are having a conversation, I don't want to be rude enough. I just want to please God. When you got kids, you want to please God. Whether you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Your heart ought to be, whatever I am doing, I want to please the Lord. But pleasing the Lord is not perfection. Take a deep breath. It's not perfection. If you look at that word, pleasing God, it's Colossians 1 and 10, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in knowledge of God. When you look at that word, fully pleasing Him, does not mean perfection. This is what it means. I have a desire to please. You're going to make mistakes, But do you have a desire to still please God? You're going to do all you can, and you're going to be human, and you're going to make a mistake. But do you have a desire to please the Lord? Every moment of every day. Romans 8 and 8. I want to read you this. I know we're after 12 o'clock. We're going to eat. I promise. The food will be there. Romans 8 and 8. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. What's it saying there? When you have not been born again, when you are living in the flesh, you cannot please God. This is what the Scripture says. Those who are in the flesh, they can't please God. They're at enmity with God. You ever seen that in Romans? Talking about being, being in the world? When you're in the world, you cannot please God. You've not been saved. But here's what happens. When you trust in Jesus' finished work on Calvary and you lay down your life and follow him you then can please God. God is pleased with that. And this is what we need to understand. God loves everyone. Are we on the same page? Let me give a little theology right here. God loves everyone. Even yet we were still sinners. Christ died for the ungodly. What's John 3, 16? For God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son. Whosoever believe in him will not perish, have everlasting life. That is theology. That's the scriptures. God loves everyone. He loves the sinner and the saint the same. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Have you ever heard this before? People would say, everybody, all people are in the family of God. Have you ever heard that before? Raise your hand. Come on. Participation. Everybody's, a lot of people heard that. Everybody is God's children. That's what I meant to say. No, they're not. We're all God's creation, created in Christ Jesus, made in the image and likeness of God. You only get grafted in by belief and faith in Jesus Christ. That's when you become a child of God, when you're born from above, born of the Spirit. John 3, read that. Unless a man be born again, he will not inherit the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God, heaven, is only for God's family. Does that make sense? Say amen if you agree with me today. That's what the Bible says. The world will say everybody goes to heaven. The the world is a liar. We're all creation, but we're not all God's children. But praise God, you got an opportunity to be in the family of God through the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. That's good preaching. That's what good news is. Amen. I thought I was going to get a better hand for that. Everybody's like, you always preach mad all the time. I'm preaching about love, and y'all are asleep. <laughs> Here's something else we have to understand when we're talking about pleasing God. God loves us. Nothing can make us love him. More or less, the love is fixed. But him loving us and him being pleased with us are two separate things. It's hard to understand that until you have children. When you have children... If you're a good parent, you love them. They can drive you crazy, but you still love them. And nothing they can do could change your love for them. You love them, you pray for them, you do anything for them. You love them with an everlasting love. Never can change it. But here's the thing. As a good parent that loves his children, what does a good parent that loves his children do? They correct their children. There's rules, there's boundaries, there's expectations, and there's standards. Please, in this church, please. I hope that we have parents that do that. When a child does abide in the expectation and the boundaries of the rules that you set in that house, when they get it, your love for them doesn't change, but boy, you're pleased with them. Are you not? (laughs) <laughs> How many like to tell your kids a thousand times to go upstairs and brush your teeth? How many of you like to say every single morning? It's the craziest thing. I'll say, we, and we lay out our clothes. We're, we're trying to be those, you know, those parents where we lay everything out. My wife does that. She gets all the credit, but we're laying out Tatum's clothes all through the week. We got like a weekly little binder-like thing. Put the kids in that. When we were growing up, it was just like whatever you had, you just threw it on. That ain't true. I'm lying. I'm lying. I wanted to dig for a minute. My mom cleaned us and made us brush our teeth. She threatened us. We did it anyway. Where am I going? Pleasing. It is so pleasing to the parent when the child gets it. You know, the same is true with God. When you start abiding in his commandments, when you start being obedient, God is pleased with that. Here is something, I'll prove it to you. You know what Deuteronomy says? Moses was talking out. He said, today I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. He said, choose life that you, that you live. Disobedience, the love doesn't change but the disobedience does not bring the blessing of God on it. Guess what obedience does? It brings the blessing of God on your life. pleasing God with how he's called you to live. I want to give you a few things that I believe God is pleased with, and then we'll wrap it up. You're already mad. It's already after 12. I believe salvation 100%. That's how we get in right standing with God. It's all through the Scripture. Number two, the Bible says Jesus was baptized. And what happened when John the Baptist had baptized Jesus in the Jordan River? there was a voice that cried out. What was that voice? It was the voice of God. What did the voice of God say? This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. I'm pleased. I believe this with all of my heart. The moment you make your faith public in baptism, when you're telling the entire world, I've decided to follow Jesus, my whole life is behind me, I believe God is pleased with that. When you make your faith public and outward, God is pleased with that. When you reveal what God did for you inwardly and you're sharing that outwardly, God's pleased with that. Here's another thing God is pleased with. God is pleased when we submit to his will. In the Garden of Gethsemane, this is amazing to me. The Bible says Jesus was co-equal with God. And the Bible would say in the book, it says in Gethsemane, that he prayed this. Father, if it be thy will, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but thy will be done. What was he doing? This is something that we need to understand when we pray. He was saying, this is what I want, God. I'm asking for it. How many of you have been there? But in that prayer, you say, God, this is what I'm asking you for. This is what I'm believing for you for. This is what I want. But then you also say, but I want your will more. You know what you're doing when you do that? You'll never pray amiss, according to James. James said, you ask and you have not because you pray amiss that you would spend it on your lusts. But when you say, Father, let your will be done, you're submitting to the will and the authority and the lordship of God. And I believe the Lord is so pleased with that. Because oftentimes our prayer life with God is like we are a genie rubbing a bottle. It is like a Christmas wish list. And we just, the only time we ever talk to God is because of what we want. But this is what God is pleased with. God is pleased when you ask for what you need and what you want, but then you say, Lord, only if it's your will. Submitting to the Father. This is what Jesus said in the book of John. This is incredible. He said, I only do those things which please him. I only do those things which please him. What is the difference? What is the opposite of pleasing him? Ephesians 4. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. The difference between pleasing God and bringing him joy from your life is grieving. What does that word grieve mean? That word grieve means to make exceedingly sad. Let me teach for a second. Because God loves you. You can't change that. But you can break God's heart. You can grieve the heart of God. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit, the Bible says. What does the Bible say? Our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Romans 12, present your body, what? A living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your reasonable service. How you live your life with your body determines whether or not you please God or you grieve God. Because people, here it is, the what is the will of God? This is the will of God. The will of God is for all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. We agree with that. But guess what else the will of God is? It's your sanctification. This is the will of God, your sanctification that you should abstain from sexual immorality. We stop so often salvation. But the will of God is your sanctification. What's sanctification mean? You are separated for a purpose. Oh, I love this. You can't win the world by being the world. And you can't lead people out of the world to the Lord when you're living the way the world is. Do we agree with that today? But when you will allow God to create sanctification in your life, you will be a light, you will be salt of the earth, you will be a light of the world, and you will lead people to the Father. When there is sanctification in your life. And I have found many people say this, I'm saved and I know the Lord, but I come to church and I'm in the presence of God and I don't feel nothing. And I understand, is God upset with me? Is God mad with me? He might be. When you live all week, can I preach this? When you live all week and you've grieved God in your body, you may not feel the Holy Ghost when you come to the house of God. But when you will set yourself aside, that's why the scripture says, come out from among them, be ye separate, be ye holy, touch not what that is unclean. When you do that, the Spirit of God will fill your empty vessel. Do you believe that today? When you live for God, when you say, God, I will serve you with my whole heart and in my body, God says, I'll find a vessel and I'll fill it. And I'll fill it. But you can grieve God. You can break his heart. You can't break someone's heart that doesn't love you. If they don't care about you, it don't matter. But God, it matters. And the Lord takes it personal. Many people call sanctification legalism, and it's a lie from hell. Oh, I'm not a rule follower, I'm just a Jesus lover. Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey my commands. We live in this new age stuff where, oh, you just being fanatical. You're just being religious. You're just being a rule follower. No. My body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. I am not my own. My mouth is not my own. My body is not my own. I've been purchased and bought. By the blood of Jesus Christ. We need to see this. We can grieve God. We grieve God by disobedience. We grieve God. Pastor Greg preached a terrific message this past Wednesday night. You need to be here for Wednesday nights. He talked about rebellion. When you are in rebellion against God, it is a form of witchcraft. When you are resisting the Holy Spirit, it is a rebellion. When you live selfishly, you grieve God. When you treat people bad, don't get quiet on me right now. When you treat people bad, you talk bad about people. When they're not around, you gossip about them. You are grieving the Holy Spirit. This is what it says in the book of James. It says, with our mouth, we bless God and we curse men. These things ought not be so. Lord God, what would happen in church if people could get their mouth cleaned out by the Holy Ghost? And you stop talking bad about people, and you start talking good about people, and if you don't have anything good to say, you shut your mouth. What would happen? You're cutting people down, tearing people down, making false judgments. You grieve God. Here's another way you grieve God, and I'm almost done. When you wander away from Him. Luke 15. You had the father, and he had two sons. He had the elder son, and he had the younger son. What did the, the younger son say? Daddy, give it up. Give me my blessing. Give me what I deserve. This is mine. The Bible says he inherited everything. He left the father's house, went into the world, wasted all his possessions, lived among harlots. You read that in your Bible. He wasted it. That's what prodigal means. He wasted it. Do you think for a minute that the father was pleased with his actions? No. Oh, but it gets good here in a minute. When he was in the pig pen, he came to his senses, the Bible says. He had a moment of repentance, and he said, he said here I am. I'm am feeding amongst the pigs. I'm eating the husk of the corn, the leftovers, and he, he said, I will arise, and I will go back to my father's house. He had a moment of repentance, and on the way, On the way, he said, I will tell my father that I've sinned against him. I've sinned against God. And what had happened when that prodigal came home, the father was not pleased when he left, but when he came back, he was pleased. He said, bring out the fatted calf, get the best robe, get the ring, get the sandals and put it on his feet. This is my son. He was died. He now lives in Jesus name. The father was pleased when he came back home. Can I say something right now? You may be in a pig pen right now, but just come home. Just come home. The gospel is this you don't have to stay in the pig pen. You can come back to the Father. You can come back, and God's got His best for you when you do. I love the Bible because it is a message of restoration. And you can have your restoration moment here in a minute. Enoch walked with God. He had a testimony that pleased God. He was living life, and one day he was not. God took him. If Jesus came back today, would you be found living a life that is pleasing to him, walking with him? You do not want to not do that. baby is crying, that means it's time to pray. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Lord, we come before you, Father. We thank you, God, for the promise of the rapture. We thank you, oh God, that the rapture, I said it a couple weeks ago, the rapture will be a great, great day of relief. It'll be a day of relief. We'll be taken from this old world and we'll be with you Father, it is my prayer, Lord, I want to walk with you. I want to be pleasing to you. I want to have a testimony where people see Christ in me. And right now, if you're here today, the Spirit of God's been dealing with you, you're not where you need to be. You don't know if you'd be ready if Jesus came back in a moment in the twinkling of an eye and you say today, I want to know, as Paul said, I could know that I'm saved. I want to know today. Every head bowed, every eye closed, if you would say today, I am ready to believe on the Lord Jesus. I'm ready to give my life to Him. I'm tired of playing games. I'm ready to receive His grace and mercy on my life. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me in His blood. If that is you today, You feel the Lord drawing you to repentance, to believe the gospel, to be ready for that rapture. If that is you, I want you to raise your hand. I want to pray with you today. Is that anybody in this room today? Anyone at all? Anyone at all? Anyone today? Anyone at all today? Secondly, say, I know the Lord Jesus. But my life, I'm kind of, when you were talking about how Enoch walked with God, God's kind of just walking with me. He's not really in lead and charge. And today you say, I want to change that. I want to walk with him wherever he leads. I want him to have supreme authority in my life. If that's you, raise your hand. I want to pray with you today because he'll lead you beside still waters. He'll restore your soul. He'll give you joy inexpressible and full of glory. If that's you today, you say, I'm ready to surrender. Thank you, Jesus. Thirdly, you would say right now, I've got a prayer need, and I need the Lord to do it. It's between you and God, and it needs to be. But you have a prayer today. You said, I need prayer today. I have a request today. Unspoken. If that's you, raise your hand. Raise your hand all over the sanctuary. Yep, yep. God see, yep, God sees it. Lord sees it. Lord sees it. Yeah. Lastly, this is it. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus who walk not according to the flesh but of the Spirit. And today you would just say, I want to be closer to the Lord. One of the ways that you do that, it's an act of faith when you step out and come to an altar. And if that's you today, this altar is available for you. If you would at this time stand to your feet, Stand to your feet. This altar is available. It's open. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If you need to leave, I know we went a little long today. If you need to go, you can be dismissed quietly. But let's just just let the Lord do his work right now at the altar. I really want to say thank you for joining us this week. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review. It helps this podcast reach more people with the gospel of Jesus.